Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. In fact, right about now, I'm not sure there's anything better than that so-called carousel for college football coaches. Now, me being the wordsmith that I am, I would generally say that carousel is a good word. But it does not begin to do justice to the insanity of what's going on in the college game right now. Hell, the college football coaching search is a hell of a lot more exciting than college football itself. Literally. I mean, damn, life comes at you fast, doesn't it? Am I right, OU fan? Can you hear me, Notre Dame fan? Can you hear me, Mayor Can you hear me, Domer Nation? Can you hear me, Mayor On Sunday, for instance, you get that bombshell that Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma for USC. Last night... You get the nuclear bomb that Brian Kelly is leaving Notre Dame for LSU. All right, so why is that a nuclear bomb? Am I overreacting? Not really. It's a nuclear bomb when you realize only a few days ago, Brian Kelly was asked whether or not he would leave Notre Dame, and here's what he had to say. I think Mike Tomlin had the best line, right? You know, um, unless unless that... uh, that fairy godmother comes by with that, you know, $250 million check, I'd, my wife would want to take a look at it first. I'd have to run it by her. Hmm. Turns out that fairy godmother is LSU Athletic Director Scott Woodward. And while the check is not a quarter of a bill, it is fat. Fat enough to get fat. Kelly to bounce. How fat? fat? Well, according to Dennis Dodd, it's in the range of... 15 mil per year. 15 mil per. As always, you are worth whatever anybody is willing to pay you. And as I mentioned yesterday, as long as that check does not rubberize, you are worth it. And if somebody is willing to pay Brian Kelly 15 mil per, I'm guessing that's the one he didn't even need to run by his wife. Look, I don't care where you're coaching. I don't care how much you like it where you are. If somebody shows you 15 mil per year, I'm guessing you're going to answer that phone, you're going to jump on their private jet, and you're going to show up the next day for a presser in your new colors. Notre Dame could actually even be in the college football playoff by Saturday night, and Kelly is still leaving. I mean, that's how wild this whole thing is. He's got a good look at a third playoff trip in four years. Yet, he's off to LSU before he can even find out. They probably did have to put a 15 in front of it to get this guy to leave that situation and not finish what he started this season. I'm guessing he probably wasn't even looking to leave. But once again, when somebody pushes a piece of paper across the table and it's got a 15 on it, you're on the next thing burning out of town. And no, it was not. Well, thank you, Alvin. It was not the cleanest departure. I mean, it never is, right? And this was no different. He blasted out a text to his team last night after 10 p.m. that reportedly read in part, quote, Men, let me first apologize for the late night text and more importantly for not being able to share the news with you in person that I will be leaving Notre Dame. I'm flying back to South Bend tonight to be able to meet with you in the morning, but the news broke late today, and I'm sorry you found out through social media or his new news reports. He goes on to say, quote, 
I will have more to share when we meet tomorrow at 7 a.m. But for now, just know my love for you is limitless, and I am so proud of all that you have accomplished. He goes on, quote, Our program is elite because of your hard work and commitment, and I know that will continue. I will share more in the morning when we meet. Again, my sincere apologies for not being able to be the one to share the news directly with you, Coach Kelly. End of text. All right, like I said, these things are never clean, right? But quote, my love for you is limitless. Now that's rich. That's rich. Well, so is he now. But that's rich. My love for you is limitless. Yeah, it is. My love for you is limitless. It really is. It's just not 15 mil per. I love you men. I really do. Just not as much as I love 15 mil per. Again, I understand. There's no good way for a head coach to leave for another head coaching job. And maybe you do actually love your players and you tell them so. Fine. But probably better not to say that your love for them is limitless because clearly your love for them does have limits. And clearly you love that number and that opportunity more than you love those guys and the opportunity you had at Notre Dame, which I get. I'm fine with that. But you probably don't want to say it's limitless. You know, for instance, I'm sure he does feel badly about how that news broke. I'm sure he is proud of his guys. But man, that is an awkward read, right? It is awkward. awkward. And if he did feel badly... He did bounce back quickly enough to change his Twitter background to LSU. All right, so bottom line, how does it all play out? What does it all mean? Did LSU get the right guy? Is it the right fit? Is Brian Kelly making the right move? Can he get it done there? We'll see, right? Here's what I would say in his defense. He's won everywhere that he has been. We know he can coach, we know he can lead, and he's done some really good things at Notre Dame. We know this. And he's done some really good things there with the restrictions they have. So you have to think that if he can do that there, he should be able to do it pretty much anywhere. However, the SEC is a different animal altogether. So is recruiting in that conference. So is recruiting in that region of the country. That's the big question. Can he compete with and beat the other alphas in that conference on the recruiting trail? Seems to me it's going to be a matter of developing those relationships with the pipelines in Louisiana. It's a matter of hiring guys who have those relationships and then hitting the road yourself and then living, eating, breathing, sleeping, recruiting. Is Brian Kelly willing to do that? And then even if he is willing to do it, can he execute on that? You know, because on the surface, when you look at it, we're talking about a guy who coached in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. That would not seem like the most natural fit for LSU. Then again, doesn't that pretty much describe Nick Saban before he took that LSU job? And yes, I understand. Kelly might not be Saban, but I'll tell you what he's also not. He's not Les Miles, and he's not Coach O, and both of them won national titles at LSU. One more thing, this whole notion of, yeah, but what about the culture? It doesn't seem like a good cultural fit. Yeah, well, to that I would say culture and a cultural fit might not be everything. Like, you won't find a better cultural fit than Coach O at LSU, and look how horribly that ended. So what I'm getting at is this. Brian Kelly at LSU could work. 
Hell, it should work. And if he ended up winning a national championship there, I wouldn't be shocked. Again, he's a better coach than Miles. Or O. And yes, I know the SEC is tough. I know there's a lot of pressure there, but it's not like there's not pressure at Notre Dame. So the question is, where does Notre Dame go? Do they promote Marcus Freeman? Do they reach out to Luke Fickle? These are both very logical and smart moves. But then again, Lincoln Riley went to USC. And Kelly's at LSU, so at this point, who knows? Who really knows? Or or maybe do they just go the Roger Lodge route? Urban Meyer is not the next coach at Notre Dame. I'm shaving my head on this program. Well, the good news about Herb is he'll be asked about it, and then nobody will believe him no matter what he says. Hey, listen, it was awkward, and awkward. they did get a text from the coach, and that was awkward. But at least they got a text, right? At least they got a text. It's not like Brian Kelly went all Instagram live while boarding that private jet, sipping champagne, pointing his phone out the window, and yelling out, what's up, Irish Nation? More specifically, my players, my love for you guys is limitless. Or I should say limited to a private jet. 15 mil per, couple of houses, cars. Hey, look, it's the Notre Dame campus. If you guys look out your tiny dorm win- windows, you can see the jet I'm on. It's not like that. You're right, my man, just like Coach Tomlin said. Never say never, but never. Unless they drop a big fat check in your lap. And listen, there's no easy way to do it. Let me bottom line this. As far as him going to LSU, if Lester can win a national championship there, if Edward can win a natty there, then there's no reason why Brian Kelly shouldn't too. No reason he shouldn't be able to. If those guys did. Wild times in college football. Where do you come out now? Lincoln Riley to USC. Brian Kelly to LSU. Oklahoma needs a coach. Notre Dame needs a coach. The coaching carousel is actually better than college football. 1-800-636-636. 8686. Yesterday, I was looking for Sooner fan to come in here and share their reaction. Today, Notre Dame fan, are you shocked by this? Who do you want to be your next head coach? How do you think this guy will do at LSU? Now what? 1-800-636-8686. And what do you think old Pervin Liar is thinking right about now? All these jobs opening up. And he's in Jacksonville just getting his clock cleaned every Sunday. What do you think Purvis thinking? That's devastating. I'm sure. So we will get into all of these angles. On top of that, I will double back. Normally on a Tuesday morning, I start off by talking about Monday Night Football. Couldn't do that after that story broke, but I will double back. Now what? What do you do if you're Seattle? They get beat. Their season's pretty much over. What do you do with Russell Wilson? He does not look like himself at all. And don't look now, but the WFT is not lost in November. They're making another late run. Bad, bad, bad break for the Nuggets. I will get into that, unfortunately. It's a big Denver Nugget house. And they got a bad break last night. Tiger Woods has made an appearance. He has talked publicly for the first time since his auto accident and has made it pretty clear he'll never make it back as a full-time player again. And actually, you know what? I'm not in any way here to pile on. I'm actually glad to hear that. I'm glad that he's kind of got his head wrapped around that. I mean, obviously, right? 
So I want to get into comments that he made. And I know you honks were open here otherwise, but did you really think that it could be anything other than that? So all of that is still ahead. I've got Dan Wetzel coming up next hour, Jimmy Ward next hour, Mark Pope in hour number three, and this hour is wide open. The holidays are here, and so is fashionable fitness. Gift yourself a Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G. It's a phone that folds in half to literally stand on its own. You pair it with the Galaxy Watch 4 for ultimate wellness and wow factor. You can check health stats and flex personal records. Over 90 activities can be tracked, like biking and swimming and golfing and more. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. I'm telling you, Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Good, good stuff. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, wherever. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Not to Old Trapper. Old Trapper, what's your beef? He is Dan Wetzel. Dan, what's up? How you doing? It's really the last part that, that always gets you. Every time, dude. Every time. You know what? I was never that guy. I, I kind of went Mick Ultra just to try it, and I'm not, like, married to it. Like, do you look down on me for that? Do you respect me coming into the family, the fraternity? You know, where do you come out on that? I mean, it's not for everybody, but, you know, it's like, you know, people say no one drinks it. It's like the sixth biggest beer in the country, you know. I mean, it's, it's you know, someone out there. They, they sell them in 30 racks. 24 is not enough. <laughs> exactly. You go into 7-Eleven, they get the 25-ounce, the extra ounce. And that matters, extra too. Ounce. It, it, absolutely. Yeah, it so, makes all the difference in the world. Nobody's out there drinking these. I got it. I see it working. I think that extra ounce is key. Listen, Dan, you you, you, you got to have it. You've done this a long time. I've done this a long time. I'm not going to say that we're cynical or jaded, but we've seen a lot of things. And there aren't that many holy crap moments. But the last couple of days, you tell me otherwise, it feels like there's been a couple of holy crap moments. You got Lincoln Riley to USC. Like, nobody leaves Oklahoma on their own fruition. He did. Brian Kelly busting out for Notre Dame or from Notre Dame for LSU. Would these qualify to you as holy crap moments? What was your reaction? Uh, absolutely. I mean, Lincoln Riley was, was a surprise to, to a degree. Uh, it was certainly a, you know, stop the presses kind of thing. Uh, but in some ways I could see it. Brian Kelly leaving while his team has a, a good chance of reaching the college football playoff on Sunday. Like there's, there's four games this weekend that matter, and all he needs is one or two results. And we're talking like Georgia beats Alabama – and Cincinnati loses. Notre Dame's in, or or Michigan gets upset by Iowa, or Baylor, Oklahoma State's a, like a that's a I don't know what the spread is, but that's a fifty that's a toss up kind of game. He doesn't need a lot, and they are in. I've never heard of a coach walk away from a playoff potential playoff. If this was next week, make a lot more sense. But I've never heard, that that to me was like, why would he leave right now? Like they can get in the playoff. Now I know that they may not win it. But it's only a four-team playoff. You only have to win two games. And the other teams in there, other than Georgia, are not, like we're talking going to maybe Michigan and Cincinnati and Notre Dame. Like, it, it, 
it, it goes against everything we've ever heard in sports, which is, you know, we band together, we're all in. Nobody believes in us but the guys in the locker room. We can do this together. And he's just basically going, yeah, we can't do this. I'm out. I'm going to go coach this team in Louisiana that's gone 500 the last two years rather than the team that could be making its third concept, third playoff appearance in four years where his recruiting is picking up, had picked up significantly. So I really thought he had the recruits coming in the next couple of years to make a run and go, I'm going to try to win this thing here. And instead he said, nah, I got a better chance at winning a national title at a 500 program right now at LSU because of the players it can, it can attract than I do at a Notre Dame program that I have built up and is absolutely humming along. I just, if it was a week later, I get it. Right now, it's just stunning. I mean, I would love to see. I, you, I don't root. You don't root. I don't really care who makes this thing. I would love to see Notre Dame in that playoff with a bunch of kids whose coach quit on them and get in the playoff. I mean, it's like Disney movie stuff, right? And uh, I just, I never thought I'd see that. Dan Wessel joining us. I agree with you. I don't root. I don't root for anybody. I don't root for anything other than something to talk about. And we now have something to talk about. I mean, what an amazing thing if they were to get in and make that run. I mean, to your point, Dan, and I was saying similar things too. Like, he's got that thing humming, right? Like, he hasn't won a national championship there, but they have a look at it this year. I would argue they've got an even better look maybe next year because of what you just said, because of the recruiting. Ultimately, what does this thing come down to? How do you explain a coach leaving when he's got a chance to win a national title right now for a team that's 11 and 11 is it just money does he have a better chance to win there what do you think this guy's mindset really is it's it's the ability to recruit the elite player okay and recruiting is a is a much uh it's a science now that is much more refined than it was even 10 years ago every single practice if every almost every single high school in America is videotaped now, every game. You're not just like wandering off to some school and hoping you see some kid live. It turns out to be pretty good. These depart these these programs have scouting departments that are as big or bigger than the NFL, and they're watching everything. And so their ability to rate players and determine who the best players are is much much better. Now there always are going to be bomb outs and all that. There are in the NFL. And the, the, the difference is, I think, the way people have learned what recruiting is, is like, oh, a four-star player is really good, a five-star is a little better, or if I have the ninth-best recruiting class, it's almost as good as the second-best recruiting class. It isn't, okay? There's about 30 to 35 five-star players every year. And that is essentially the first round of an NFL draft. And then there's 250 total players get drafted, So that, and, and, and those would be the rest of your 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 draftable players, so up to 250. You could be a four-star and be like the 500th best player, right? No one would care about that guy if you're joining an NFL team. But if you can get in on those top 30 guys, and then even more, number six, not number 26, right? You can win these things. And that's what Alabama, Georgia, Clemson have done, LSU can do, that Notre Dame has struggled to be able to do. It gets lots of guys ranked 100. 180, 214, they can't get number two. Next, this, this upcoming recruiting class, Georgia is about to sign six five-star players. That's like drafting six first-round picks. Imagine an NFL team that has six first-round picks a year. Last year when Notre Dame played Alabama, 
Alabama had 22 five-star players on their roster. Notre Dame had two. How are you beating a 22 first-round pick team when you only have two? So that's the difference, and I don't think the public necessarily gets how important coaches value this stuff because it's always been like we mock recruiting, but you have to have those guys. And he has seen Najee Harris leap people and Trevor Lawrence tear his defense apart like he has nothing he can do. He can go to LSU and get those players. If Ed Orgeron and Les Miles, neither of whom are regarded as great coaches, can win national titles at LSU, Brian Kelly undoubtedly thinks, I'm going to win a national title at LSU. And that's why he goes, even if that team isn't good right now and his team is really good. So it's the holidays, and you deserve a gift, a great gift. How about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels, and a gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you'll be at work. Of course, I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair I have ever used, and if I'm being honest... It's probably the coolest looking piece of furniture I own. Not only is X-Chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair and can either cool or warm your back. Can your office chair do that? Doubt it. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early and buy right now. Here is X-Chair's holiday gift to you. Save 100 bucks off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com. That is the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save xchairrome.com. Dan Wetzel is joining us. That was my point, too. When you came on, right before you came on, like, look, if Coach O can win a natty there (laughs) and Lester can win a natty there, Brian Kelly's got to be thinking, man, I know I can. Those two guys just did. You know, we could talk about cultural fit all we want, Dan. Like, it seems like from the outside, that's not a good cultural fit. But at the same time, and I made this point, you probably agree, Coach O was the best cultural fit, and it could not have ended any worse, right? So maybe, quote, cultural fit doesn't matter a hell of a lot. Yeah, that, I mean, that stuff is, is just immaterial. The coaches don't leave, the, they don't leave their facility. These guys work 100 out. Like, what are they, out in the community? They're not politicians. They're, Brian Kelly's recruited, he's recruited Louisiana. He's recruited the South. He's recruited mm-hmm. everywhere. No yes. name. You have to recruit everywhere. If you win, they like you. Simple as that. I, I mean, it just does not matter. Les Miles was from Ohio. He had nothing to do with Louisiana. Urban Myers from Ohio, uh, you know, uh, Nick Saban is from a small town in West Virginia. It's more like Western Pennsylvania. He's also 70 years old. Like, do you think he has a cultural fit with the kids he was re- he's recruiting? No, it doesn't matter. If you, if you can win, you'll be like, does anyone, would anyone sit there and say, hey, we can hire Bill Belichick? Well, I don't know, man. He, he, he's kind of a Northeastern guy. I don't really want that. I mean, come on. <laughs> if you win, the fans will love you. And they'll like Brian Kelly. He's a very, very, very good coach. But, the ability to get that those draft those first round picks per se is everything now, and the the belief and it's the same thing with Lincoln Riley. He could get some of them to Oklahoma, but he thinks he can get more at USC because Oklahoma, as a home state, produces very little of that top thirty guy, let alone top fifteen guy. They've had one in the last like fifteen years, and so 
local recruiting, the ability to load up on that type of player that can win it all. Because if you remember, Kelly's been to the playoff and gotten the doors blown off him. Lincoln Riley's been to the playoffs. They could have won it with Baker Mayfield, but the other two times got the doors blown off them. Those guys know what it takes to beat steadily Bama, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, and neither one thought they could do it at Notre Dame or Oklahoma. That is a shock to what we know about college football, but that is the reality that these guys are telling you. We're talking to Dan Wetzel. I agree with you. Lincoln Riley, I mean, he was already recruiting Southern California better than the University of Southern California was recruiting Southern California. So why not just come here, take their money, live here, and keep the guys in the backyard? I mean, Dan, again, we don't root for anything other than something to talk about. Like, this drama is amazing. College football is the best soap opera around. When you combine all of it, is it good for the sport? Uh, some of it's good for the sport, but I, I think some of it is very, very frustrating for fans, for hardcore fans. I mean, if you're a Notre Dame fan and you literally just saw your – you're a fan of any team, I don't care what sport you're rooting for, and your coach quits right before a potential playoff, I mean, like, you're like, what, what am I rooting for here, right? Like, I, I just – you know, if you just all of a sudden – I don't know what Sean McVay just quits and says, I'll go take a different job. I'm going to go, yeah, or, you know, whoever's going to the playoffs, Belichick just quits. I don't feel like coaching the playoffs. You know, what, what are you doing? Right. So I think it'd be very frustrating. I also think there's a lot of programs that are just like, we can never win. Like if, if Notre Dame and Oklahoma, if the coaches at Notre Dame and Oklahoma are both going, I don't like my future here. What hope is there for, you know, if you're Missouri or you're Purdue or you're whatever. So, it's, it's a little bit hit or miss, but I could certainly see, look, Notre Dame's going to get a really good coach. Oklahoma, these places are going to do fine. Um, but I, I can certainly understand the, the, the frustration of just watching. It's, it's, a, it's like a free agent just leaving your team after a season. That's extremely disappointing in whatever sport. Be even worse if they did it literally in the middle of the season or like minutes after the, the, a game. Just, you know, I mean, Lincoln Riley coached Saturday night and, and was gone by Sunday morning. Brian Kelly had a recruiting visit he was on for Notre Dame yesterday. And then he was gone by night. Like, it's so jarring. At least, it, it, I think that's a tough, tough thing for a fan to just grasp because it's like, I'm all in, but <laughs> my coach isn't all in. Dan Wetzel is joining us for another moment or so. I agree. Like, there, there is no clean way to do it, right? Whenever a coach bounces, there's just not a good way to do it or a clean way to do it. It's always going to look no. and feel like this. What do you think, Dan, really quickly? What do you think Urban Meyer is thinking? And I don't want to hear this nonsense about, I was back in the facility. I didn't even take a shower. I'm focused on what I have in front of me. What do you think this guy's thinking as he watches this carousel spin right now? Um, yeah. <laughs> Certainly a lot of, uh, uh, of potential options out there uh, for him. Um, if he had just sat on that Fox desk right now for one more year. But he wanted that NFL challenge. Uh, if he sat on the Fox desk, he might not have gotten videotaped. Like, I don't know. I don't know what Urban Meyer's thinking. He can't, he can't bail right now for any of these jobs. I don't think Notre Dame wants him. I don't think a lot of schools actually want him. Some do because he's going to win. But some, like, Urban Urban will bring you victories. Urban will also bring you a tremendous amount of drama. And so it's it's a high-risk, high-reward, high-maintenance kind of existence with Urban Meyer. Uh, usually when he leaves, he's won a lot, but everyone just sort of exhales. 
because it's like, man, this guy's hard to have around as good as he is. Where a, a guy like Saban is almost no drama, right? Um, so Urban's Urban Urban needs to stay at the facility and uh, and uh, do it. But yeah, he he certainly would have been a, a a very viable candidate for LSU or or USC or, or or any of these places. Probably not Notre Dame, but everyone else. Yeah, I bet Buddy could use a night out right about now, but I would not take it if I were him. He is a Yahoo Sports columnist. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He is co-host of the College Football Inquirer, the EP of The Killer Inside. Again, a Bush light enthusiast. Dan, you're the best. Really appreciate you. Respect you. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, Rome. Appreciate it. And now a quick message from Discover about customer service and common sense. When you have credit card questions, it is nice to have them answered by a real person. You know, somebody who can actually understand your issues and work to resolve them. In other words, what you don't need is a robot. And that's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. No wonder we call it live customer service. Discover, exceptionally common sense. You know, I feel like I do this every single week, but as good as the NFL season has been, there have been some real dogs in the primetime this year. I mean, there has been a proliferation, right, of garbage primetime matchups. Frankly, last night was no exception. You got a four-win Washington football team hosting the three-win Seattle Seahawks. I mean, garbage. Garbage. If you didn't watch the game, good. This is the only thing you missed if you missed that game last night. Fly with the extra point. It was blocked on the play. And it is picked up by Green. He's on the 30, far side 40. Broke a tackle down the far side with an entourage. He's at the 50, the 40, near sideline. Foot race to the 30, the big man, the 20, near side 10, and into the end zone. He takes it through. That is unbelievable. It's two points for Seattle to tie the game at nine on a kick that was blocked on an extra point try. And the big man, Rasheem Green, took it on a bounce and just flew down the near sideline after a block. And he blocked it, and he got the ball, both. Block! Westwood won. That pretty much tells you all you need to know about that game. Washington scores, then gets completely overrun on the point after. Seattle returns it for two points to tie the game, and that was the highlight of the game. I mean, yeah, there were a couple of other TDs, but that was by far the best moment, by far. So I know the folks involved had to figure out a way to hype that game and get eyeballs and get people to think that it's something other than garbage. You know, how do you put some lipstick on that pig? So they had to convince people that, oh, yeah, there's playoff playoff implications here. One of these teams could be in the playoffs. A four-win Washington team hosting a three-win Seattle team, and they're talking about how one of these teams could be in the playoffs. And that's supposed to get me to watch. Yeah, that's not real enticing. In fact, that's infuriating. One of these teams could actually be in the postseason. Like, you're going to try and argue to me that there's a scenario where Seattle would get to play extra games? Hey, Seattle. I mean, can they not just pick up their marker and concede a game or the rest of the season? I'm sure Russell Wilson has thought about it, no matter what he'll say publicly. Like, parody is one thing, but saying Seattle could actually be a playoff team this year is another Does anybody anywhere look that dumb? I mean, stop with that. Don't tell me Seattle had a chance to win the game either late. 
Not if they can't actually line up properly for an onside kick, which they thought they recovered, but didn't. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. It's time to take a wrecking ball to it. Hey, Seattle. You had a hell of a run, but everything about this team right now screams rebuild. Hey, Hey, Seattle. Drop a bomb on it. Hey, Hey, Seattle. Seattle. I hate to say it, but right now, Russ is not what he once was. Hey, Seattle, you know hey, he Seattle. Did, Seattle, you know he doesn't want to be there. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle, you can't blame him either, man. Hey, Seattle, Russ has done hey, everything Seattle. he possibly can, including rush back from that injury. Hey, hey Seattle, Seattle, he ain't right. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. He, he can't even find DK Metcalf. DK hey, Metcalf's Seattle. like seven feet tall, dude. He's like seven, seven, one, two. 340 as a wide receiver, and he still can't get him the ball. Hey, hey Seattle, Seattle, you know something's wrong. Hey, Seattle, how about hey, this? Seattle. Hey, you think that sucks, Seattle? You think hey, you're pissed Seattle. now? What's he here? I'm about to drop on you, Seattle. Hey, hey Seattle, Seattle, you now are keeping company with the Lions, the Jags, and the Texans. How's that grab you, Seattle? Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle, look at the standings. Look at the win total. You are. You are slumming with the Texans and the Lions and the Jags, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle, set it on fire. Hey. Burning. Hey, hey burning. Hey, Seattle, hey, trade Seattle. Russ, get draft picks, do the right thing, and start from there. Hey, hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. It's been a great run, but it's over. Hey, Seattle, this is hey, hard Seattle. to watch, man. That's a franchise with tradition and pride. I hate to see it go like that. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. All good things must come to an end, but this is a really tough watch, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. I'm not even saying that Russ is done as a quarterback. I, I still think that Russ can play at a high level. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. He's just busted up, and that offense is completely broken. Hey, Seattle. It just doesn't work, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Hey, I got an idea, though. I got an idea for Russ. I'm Team Russ. I like Russ. I've always liked Russ. And then there's a part of me, and I got to admit, hey, hey Seattle, no hey, offense, Seattle. I took Washington plus one. Like, Arr! If I was into that sort of thing, I would have gone Washington plus one. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Maybe Russ, if you're not going to do the right thing, buy Russ, Seattle, and let him go. Maybe Russ can borrow Odell's dad's splicer to get him the hell out of there. Hey, hey, Russ, maybe LeBron is can tweet you out of Seattle. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. I want out. Hey, hey Seattle, Seattle, do the right thing. Free Russ. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. Hey, Doc, put that pin back in my finger. Put me back on the IR. Obviously, hey, I came Seattle. back too soon. I did it for the right reasons. I hey, want to rejoin Seattle. the fight. I want to rejoin the fight, but hey, it's not Seattle. going well, Doc. Reinsert pin in finger, Doc. Hey, Seattle, I'm about to crack a funny. Wait for it. Legion of Boom? More like Legion of Whom. Legion of Whom? Not directed at you, Bobby Wagner. You're still the scariest dude alive. Hey, Seattle. My God, that guy's a monster. Hey Seattle. hey, Seattle, that hurt you more than that hurt me. That didn't hurt me at all. Hey, Seattle. But watching you did. I mean, come on, they're a playoff team. You stop with that. Seriously, what do you do with Russ? They've got three wins. He's getting beaten down. He can't 
I mean, he looks nothing like Russ. You know, for the longest time, you always assume Russ is Russ, and Russ is going to will this thing and impose his will, and it's going to go their way. I don't think that anymore. And I'm not even saying it's his fault. I still think the guy can play at a high level someplace else if he's healthy. But he's not. And he does now what he needs around him. Do the right thing. Let him go. Got that, Seattle? Hey, Seattle. I'm looking at you, Peter. Hey, let me ask you this. Does this sound familiar to you? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you about a very simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle you hate and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content does vary by package. Jimmy Ward is my guest. Jimmy, it's good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to talk to you again, Jim. Always good to talk to you, Jimmy. Appreciate you, man. Good to have you back. So it's almost December. You guys won four of your last five. You're right in the middle of the playoff hunt. Given how the team has turned things around in the last month, how good does it feel to show up to work every single day knowing you've got a chance to really make some noise? Uh, it just gives you something to play for. Um, I, I I don't really care if – well, I really do care if we was in the playoff race. But I'm just saying if our season wasn't going so great, uh, you know, I still have my reasons why I come every day, wake up every day to play this game because um, I'm passionate about it. But since we're in the playoff race, it makes it, makes it even more funner. Hey, Jimmy, it's kind of, you know, people talk about this all the time, and maybe you hear it so much that you kind of tune out. But like you said, I've got my why. Like, at this point in your life and your career, what's your why? Um, my why is just, this started when I was young. Uh, I picked it up kind of like in Pop Warner football. You know, a lot of people doubted me. Uh, never thought I was, I never thought I brought any intensity to the game and just always counted me out. And then just, Really, I just be wanting to prove myself right, not not necessarily prove everybody wrong. I want to prove myself right that I'm that player that I that I thought I was from since I've been nine years old, since I first started playing football. Jimmy Ward's my guest. Not only did you prove those right who believed in you, look at it this way: when Joe Staley retired in 2020, you became the longest tenured member of the 49ers. What does that role mean to you, and how do you approach that specific role? Um. I feel like uh, it's a big test. Um, I kind of saw uh, Joe Staley carrying their weight around <laughs> when he was here. But uh, it's, I just do what I always do, man. I lead by example, and if I have to be vocal, then I'll be vocal and just try to uh, just tell uh, bring the young guys along with me, you know, um, and kind of try to, you know, speak positive with negative stuff around in the air and stuff. Uh, I always got to think positive and look forward uh, to the next game. Talking to Jimmy Ward, you know, I mean, like Joe Staley is a different kind of dude in the sense that, you know, that, that 
he's got a different approach, different position. I know you've said you've learned a lot from Richard Sherman, too. Like, what are the types of things that you took from Sherman, and what made him such a unique player and leader? Uh, man, there's, there's only one of Richard Sherman's. Uh, <laughs> right. What made him a unique player was he was smart. He's a football player. You know, a lot of guys uh, – let me tell you a uh, short story. Please. You know, every time uh, I'm walking in the hallway and stuff, uh, off season and stuff, and they was like, "Oh, you play NFL? Oh, you're not that big and this and that." And I was like, "No, nah, I'm not big, but I'm a football player." And the reason why I say that because there's a lot of guys that got in the NFL because they run fast, they lift a lot of weight, they're big, they're huge, they're muscular, but they're not necessarily football players. You know. So I feel like that's what Sherman is. Sherman is he's he's smart. He's a football player, and not only does he and he has size for a corner. He he changed the game. As in, he's one of the corner, one of the biggest bigger corners that ever played this game at a high level. And he's gonna have a gold jacket uh, soon, sooner or later. Um, hopefully sooner than later. But yeah, that's that's okay. I think I you know toot his horn enough. I like that. Jimmy Ward joining us. That's why I asked you about him. I like that response a lot, and I'm glad that you had a story. I want to ask you about another story. You recently mentioned a story from when you were a rookie, and the then-GM Trent Baalke came up to you after a game against the Giants and said, Jimmy, you don't know how to play cover three. What do you remember about that conversation, and why did that stick with you? Um, The reason why it stuck with me is because um, it it wasn't Trent fought for not knowing uh what was going on. It was it was the coaches didn't inform him, you know, the right they didn't inform him who really wasn't playing the coverage right. And the, whoever was in the hook wasn't pushing out to the hook. Oh uh, well, yeah. That was their job responsibility and I was in the buzz so well yeah, I was the buzz player so I supposed to push out to like curl flat. So if my two is two by two, if two push out to the flat, then I gotta go with the two. And the other guy that's in the, most likely was a linebacker had to push out to the hook. So it wasn't his fault. He was just trying to get to the bottom of it. And and the, me being a second-year guy, no, and Jaquasi Tart, he was the other buzz player. So I was playing Nick at the time. Uh, and he, he kind of got at Kwasi, too. You know, he was just trying to figure out what exactly was going on. And if I was a GM, too, and I lost the game, and they kept killing me on slant all day and nobody was covering the slants and I know we ain't cover three. I'd go around during um lunchtime too questioning players like, Hey, what's going on? I'm trying to figure it out. But wasn't Trent fought at all, just the coaches didn't inform him the right players, you know. Uh, of course you're gonna look at the younger players and you know, first and I don't I don't know. That's probably why our record was kinda it was wasn't wasn't good back then, but this is how it goes. Hey, Jimmy, you, know, like, you live reason, and you learn. Like, dude, tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Maybe I'm overreacting to it, but I'm just the reason I asked that question. It seems like that's something you kind of kept to yourself for a long, long time and didn't say anything about. And then you kind of shared that story recently. Like, was that something you wanted to get off your chest? Like, things are not always what they appear. Yeah, man. I'm just saying sometimes some things you can't speak about. You know, especially back then. You know, I couldn't speak about like who fought that really was and like the media. You know, our media work for uh, our players, and, and it's like some guys are mess up sometimes, but you can't say that. You can say if you messed up, but, you know, that's I wouldn't be a, a great team player if I just go out there in the media and be like, I was doing my job. 
and you know, then other people were like, well, so who wasn't doing their job? So it's just over over the years, I just learned to take take the blame, and I just felt like I wanted to get off the chest because no, no, none of the you know former players still play on this team, or GM or coaches uh, was on this team at was present day. So. I just wanted to get it off my chest. I get it. There's certain things you can and cannot say at certain times in your life. I understand that. So, like, when you you played, you got plenty of football ahead of you. But when you look back, you've now played corner, nickel, safety. There aren't a lot of guys in that league who can say that they have done that. How much pride is there for you in the fact that you're still here and still playing at a very high level? Oh, it was a, man, it was a tough, it was a tough, tough journey, Jim. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to play corner at all but it helped me in the long run and like you know I, it helped the coaches out more than it helped my career I'll tell you that mm-hmm. but later on in life now that I look back on it I was like ah, yeah, you know it helped my technique it helped me how to cover you know if I'm at the one or at the two or at the three you know I, I won't feel you know too out of place it, it, it wouldn't feel too big for me because I learned a few different techniques at uh all three uh, uh all three places if I'm covering a tight end or if I'm covering a wide receiver versus three by one at the three spot if it's two by two and I'm covering a tight end from covering a slot or if I'm at the one covering the x or the z like I did it all before, and I learned different techniques to help me out. So basically, all that does is just make you comfortable. Um, and it's hard to get comfortable in this league. You know, it's so much talent, and I know how the rules are. You know, nowadays for the DBs, it's not like you can fist fight. I mean, hand check somebody all the way down the field. You got to kind of get that out the way within the first five yards. Anything after that, you know, it could be a possible flag. I'm going to say a, a likely flag, an inevitable flag. Jim, what's it like? Like, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. I really do. It doesn't make it any easier to watch. What's it like to play the game right now when you got flags coming out? Like, it feels like every other play. What's it like to be on the field with that kind of flow disrupted? Uh, I just can't think about it. Can't think about it because, I, to me, I, I still play the same way. I hit the same way. Like when they changed the rule, as in like all that hammer to hammer hit, I didn't hit up high anyway. So when they changed the rule, that you know, that that worked to my my favor. I was always taught since I was young was low man win. Like I always get lower than the ball carrier, and for the ball carriers, get lower than the defender who's trying to hit you. That's why you see guys get ran over because they don't get low and they don't hit you with the same foot, same shoulder. Like. All that technique, it works with special teams, and you can carry it on the offense, you can carry it on the defense. And all that works in my favor. So I can't get flagged for hitting you in your knee. And to be honest, if somebody's catching a slant and he's planting, or if somebody's jumping over somebody and he's planting and a guy hit him in his knee, you could be possible out for the season. That's a, that's an MCL, ACL. So to be honest, some guys rather get hit in the head than the knee. But oh, I understand sure. how – you know how the damage to the brain, you know, and, and after football, what what it does to uh, players. But at the end of the day, it's still a dangerous game. And like I said, it, it works in my favor because I, I hit low. Two thoughts: one, because you're a football player, and you understand. And number two, I got to go, Jimmy, because we're out of time. But I think what you just said is so real; it's true. They they're doing what they're doing to make the game safer. But guys would always rather be hit in the head than down low. Jimmy Ward, my guest, safety for the 49ers. Jimmy, I appreciate you, man. Great job as always. Thanks for bringing the heat.
No, no problem. Thank you, Jim. Mark Pope. Mark, it's been a minute or two. It's great to have you back. How are you doing, and how is your life right about now, Mark? Well, I'm, I'm on your show right now, so my life is great, my friend. My I man. love coming on here. I'm such a huge fan. I appreciate you saying that, Coach. That is great. I, it's much, I would say much the same about you. Mutual respect. So you are 6-0. and You are number 12 in the AP poll. You just beat Utah by 11. Now you're getting ready to face Utah Valley where you got your start as a head coach. How would you describe the juice, the vibe, the buzz, the energy around the program right now? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a renaissance here at BYU right now. So if you think about it, football ranked number 12 in the country. Men's basketball ranked number 12. Women's basketball ranked number 21. We just won going away the men's and women's cross-country national championships. Our women's team, soccer team, is in the final four this weekend. Our women's volleyball is in. I mean, every single team on this campus right now, in the month of November, Jim, think about this, in the number, month of November, not one single BYU athletic team lost one single match. Wow. Wow. So it's super fun right now. There's a lot of juice, baby. It's fun. Mark, that is amazing. Like, how do you explain that? Is that one of those things that's kind of inexplicable? Or what's going on there? What's in the water? What's happening to produce those kind of results? Well, listen, listen. The, the, you know, in, in all college sports, man, the tide rises with football. And what Kalani Sataki is doing here at BYU football right now is so fun, and the juice is so high. And it's not just that he's winning big, but it's the way he's doing it. Like, he's just uh, – you can just feel the energy kind of flowing throughout the campus, and all of us benefit from it. Like, you know, I'm telling you, it's something, it's, it's something special, rolling recruits in to one of these football games and letting them just feel it. And this um, – this rock we have here, I know it sounds like a BYU ad, but this, this uh, student section we have is insane. We had a game against the NIAA, NIAA, I don't know what you can't say, NAIA team uh, uh, like 10 days ago. And we had like 9,000 students in our student section packed from the front row all the way to the rafters, 15,000 people in the gym. It's just it's a fun time right now to be a BYU Cougar. Man. That is great. BYU head basketball coach Mark Pope is joining us. You know, you mentioned Kalani. I, I love Kalani. I've got immense respect for Kalani. He comes on the show quite a bit, and we talk about these things. Mark, it makes sense to me that you would say that everybody else can feed off the success of the football program. What about Kalani? Does he have that kind of active interest in everybody else on campus and the other programs as well? Yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. So he is um... – you know, uh, just this little head coaches consortium we have here is really great. And, um, you know, we have so many talented coaches and, of course, incredible athletes here. And Kalani is, is, is a functional voice for all of us. And he certainly is so excited about, like, spreading the joy. Uh, we're not living in silos in this athletic department. And so it makes it a really special place to work. All right. So, Mark, this is interesting. I could talk to you. And if we have time, I will. There's a couple of guys I want to talk to you about on the team. And we could talk about what you're building there. But when you talk about juice and energy and vibe, I want to go back to last season for a moment. Because this, to me, is really indicative of what you're building there and what the energy is like. When you guys were at the tournament, the program went viral for the hype video before the COVID test. <laughs> and then the video when the players got trapped in the elevator. I loved it so much. And the reason I bring this up, 
One, I loved it so much, but I literally could not wait to get home, break out my phone, show it to my wife, and show it to my teenage son. And, you know, frankly, they don't really know who we're talking about. They know the program. They may know you. They loved it. They loved it like it was transcendent, and we just watched it over and over and over again. How do you go about developing those types of relationships, and what's it like to have that kind of energy and that love amongst the players? Well, uh, Jim, you know, we talk about this every day here is, is trying to have the best locker room in America. We believe if we can have the best locker room in America, that we're going to be competitive every single game, every single year. And that's super hard to do. Uh, it takes a ton of effort. It takes having the right guys here and then having all the guys being willing to fight to buy in every day. And it's a, it's a cocktail that you have to work on every day. And um, it's just it's just the basics of team. We just say best locker room in America, but you can use any 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 team leadership logo you wanted to. But you see little moments like that where um, where our guys are just rallying around each other in the moment, and it translates onto the court a hundred percent. I believe our special sauce is how these guys come in every day, trying to put aside their own agenda for, to fight for this team. Those words pour out of each of our guys' mouths every day and every conversation they have, and I think it pays dividends. And, you know, the strength of the team is a special thing. And, you know, those, those little moments at the NCAA tournament last year, that was, that was a little bit transcendent because it was, this COVID was an experience everyone in the world was trying to, trying to fight through, right? Something we were all struggling with, and uh, it, it was fun. That was fun. It was a, it was a great time. Well, Mark, Mark Pope, my guest, it was something we were all struggling with and trying to fight through, but I had never seen a group of guys so fired up to get COVID tests. Like, what did you say to your team and the culture that they were so hyped to get in line to get their tests? <laughs> so we, we, uh, we spent a lot of time trying to, like, uh, just have enthusiasm to be with God, right? And, um, and so it actually was super organic. Interesting enough, I don't know what, it was like 10.30. We were like one of the last teams that day to go get tested just because of how schedule worked. So you think about it, you know, we were stuck in a hotel. We're quarantined in a hotel for a week, which everybody had to do. Thank goodness that they let us do it so we could actually play the tournament. Totally worth it. But you just think you're quarantined for all that time, and then it's, you've practiced and filmed and meetings all day and 10 or 10.30 you're going to take this COVID test for the 10,000th time. And then it was just super organic. It was our guys. It was just like, it was the heart of our guys. And um, just trying to take something that's incredibly uh, mundane and disturbing. And, 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 and honestly, we had some PTSD from the year before and they canceled the tournament. And so those guys just trying to like seize the moment and make something that's tough, make it great. And uh, it was, it was awesome. Hey, Mark Mansky is the leader of the group, is the guy that they feed off of. I mean, are you naturally like this? Do you, are you shot out of bed every single morning feeling like this? Or are there days mainly maybe where you're like, hey, man, I, I got to get to that place because I'm out there right now, and they're going to be looking to me to get some of that from me? Um, well, that's a long question. That's a long answer question. But short answer is um, it's something we take really seriously and we work really hard at, right? So um, it's, it's, I think it's an important part of what we do. In fact, Jim, I'll tell you this. So with what you saw last year, my team, one of our core principles is joy in the gym, that it's our job to manufacture joy in the gym. To remember how much we love this game. We talk about joy in the gym all the time. My team graded me out as a D-minus last year, bringing joy to the gym. Hmm. 
And wow. it's something we take really seriously. It's important how we function. And so I'm actually, you know, I'm actually trying to make a, a massive comeback this year for my team to bring more joy to the gym. And so, no, it doesn't. You're not just, you're not just made that way. We all have to work at it. Dude, I'm going to give you an A for joining the interview. Like, what, what was happening that you got a D minus last year? And when you were you even aware that you barely had a passing grade in joy for the gym? Well, yes, uh, it was hard. I mean. You know, we think, and everyone went through the same experience, right? Not only are you dealing with all the things that the whole world's dealing with, but you're dealing with the kind of everyday stress of what the test is going to return. And, you know, we actually did four, during the season, we did four full game installs. We were actually, we had actually, we, we had turned around to playing twice. And then we actually were in the gym. Uh, we were on the bus walking into shoot around at San Diego and we got turned around. And so, and then dealing with everything that had come the year before, just in our tiny little slice of the world, this little basketball world, it was hard for everybody. And um, so I think I probably didn't deal with that stress as well as the team needed me to. Um, but, but you know, we're all getting better. We're trying to get better every day. And certainly I need to get better. I'll tell you what I love about that, Mark. Mark Pope, my guest, is that you've got this culture, and even as a leader, that the kids, like, they, they're – strong enough in their conviction to say hey coach I mean this is the message we're getting from you right but we're going to give you a D minus and you're going to own it and say you know what I got to do better we all got to do better we're trying to get better every single day one more thing I want to ask you about like this is something that I hate to be the old guy here Mark like get off my lawn kind of guy but I think this is interesting you brought the suit back this year I personally, I love that. Mick Cronin came on the show earlier this season. He said it was important to him to be rocking suits as well. Why is that something you want to do? Well, you know, I, we struggle with it. My staff is so mad at me that we have to wear suits. They almost had it. You know, they almost turned on me. But I, I, I didn't exactly know why. There's a couple reasons. One is I don't want to have any part of COVID. Like, I want to get done with COVID. And wearing, for me, like wearing a polo or a three-quarter zip or whatever, it just, like, brings back moments of COVID. So that's one. And two is, like, there is this old school. Like, I grew up this way. I know I'm getting old. But, like, the respect that we get to walk into the gym and show to the fans and our opponent and our players, I know it's so old school and outdated, but it just is in me. And, um, like, I wear a suit to church every Sunday. And this court on game day is a sacred place to me. And so it just feels right to me. It just feels right. And I'm not going to lie to you, bro, I look great in a suit, man. Let's go. Yeah, you do, dude. You do. Look good, feel good. Feel good, coach good, man. I got no problem with that at all. I love that. You do look great in a suit. All right, so you're unbeaten. San Francisco is unbeaten. St. Mary's is always, always a battle. They're seven and one. Of course, you got Gonzaga. They're seven and one. They're number three. When you look around the conference this year, the WCC, how tough is it? My goodness, it's tough. Yeah, and you, you, you didn't mention Santa Clara, who's already had yes. three huge wins. Yes. One at Stanford, BTCU. And then, interestingly enough, Jim, the team that we all expect to be a team that's fighting for a top three position in this league is Loyola Marymount. Hmm. Now, they haven't had a great start to the season, but they're loaded and they're good. So this conference is, is deeper than it's ever been. Uh, it's going be it's going to be just brutal. It's, it's actually super exciting, man. This is where we've all wanted to be as a conference. Uh, we, we owe so much to these Gonzaga Bulldogs because they are just they are just 
forcing us all to raise the level of our play to just try and stay in the same universe as those cats. And, and it's fun because this conference is growing. Uh, commissioner's done a great job. The coaches in the league are great. And the universities have, have, have dedicated some resources to getting better. You know, Mark, finally, I went to school at UCSB, so I'm a Big West guy. So I understand, like, the I'm – not, I'm not even going to go to, like, mid-major or whatever. I think your conference is amazing. I think there is so much depth and competition in that conference. Like, when you look at Gonzaga, it's easy now to get kind of caught up in – what Mark Few's done there. Just step back. Can we just step back for a minute and yeah. think about the behemoth and the monster that he built there? Could that ever, ever be replicated anywhere else in a program that size? The thing, it's never happened before. And the thing is, like, you've seen some programs raise up and be great for a couple of years, right? But he just, it's every single year. And the worst thing about it is, is, is Mark is like the best human being in the world. So you can't even be mad at him for it. Like he's just, he's all about this sport. He represents it so well. And he, it is just, it, there's no words for what he's doing there, right? You know, he, and now, you know, he was doing it with talent from other places in the world. And now he's just getting the, the number one recruited player in the country every year, right? And so it's at Gonzaga, like, you're right. When you take a step back, it just is, it's staggering. With all that said, we got to find a way to beat these guys. We have to find a way to beat them. Yeah, and what's amazing, with all that said, you guys are number 12 in the poll, you're unbeaten, and you got to look at this thing. And I know that you're not going to take a step back or give it a not. You're never going to say, hey, they're Gonzaga, so we'll play for next best. Man, you're in it to win it, and it's going to be amazing to see how it plays out. He is the head basketball coach at BYU. This is why I started the interview by saying I always look forward to this, and this is why I just busted the clock up and ran heavy. Mark, you are the man. I got much respect for you, and it's always great to have you on this show. I'm glad we got caught up super great for you thanks for telling these kids stories man it's awesome good night now